Hallelujah. We must love working. And I know that's not, not, not a nice sermon title. And, you know, and a lot of people, you know, don't like the word work. Uh, but in the kingdom of God, we must love working. Okay. Um, second scripture we're going to start with today, because don't forget, we're going to build upon that parable of the sower. So we all know that we, we are God's workers. And so we're going to turn to Matthew 20 now. Matthew 20. And we're going to look at the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And this is quite, quite a good one to start with now, because if you're going to love working, then we want to know um, what we ought to be doing in this life. And we're going to find out today all about work and, you know, what, why we should be loving working. So this is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So um, are we going to, Matthew 20, and we're going to read 1 to 16. So I'm going to read the whole passage because it's the whole passage that it really becomes important to us. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's their payment, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to the steward, call the laborers, give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came, who were hired about the 11th hour, they received each a denarius, the payment for the day. But when the first came, they, they supposed they would receive more and they likewise received each a denarius and when they had received it they complained against the landowner saying these last men have worked only for one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day but he answered one of them said friend i'm doing you no wrong did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last for many are called but few chosen it's quite a fascinating passage and of course that end, end, that end sentence is there's a lot of complication with that but you know it is really quite simple isn't it the, the who who's the owner of the who's, who's the landowner it's god who are the workers those are the workers you know in his in, in his in his kingdom and you know he decides, he agrees with each person what is what they're going to do, and he rewards them accordingly. And then people who are not happy with what God's doing 
complain. And isn't it amazing? This is the same for everything. Is it not? Is it lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? We don't understand some of the things that God does. We had last 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 Monday night on the teaching, and people were, were talking about you know the, the, the why did God let you know all those people starve in Ethiopia? You know, and, and my answer you know came, and it was like, well, the world can feed everything and everyone if we shared. If we were all Christians, we'd have gone and helped them. But you know, even when Bob Geldof went there, you know, and he got all that money, you know, he, he realized at the end, well, hold on a moment, we can't just feed them. We've got to make sure that these people can feed themselves. So it's irrigation and, and better methods of farming and, and all those wonderful things that, you know, that they realized that's what they had to do. You know, that's God. God's also the same, you know, is, that, uh, is it not lawful for God? to do what he wishes with his own things. You see, it's not man's way, is it? And man's way, we want what we want and not what God wants. So therefore, that becomes a real complication for all of us, you know, that not the way I think. You know, I think that God ought to heal everyone, but it doesn't happen, you know. And, and for me, I'm thinking, dear me, you know, why can't you heal everyone? Well, he doesn't heal everyone because not everyone's in his kingdom and not everyone deserves to be healed etc 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 they don't want to know they don't want to know god until god's the only place they can go to yeah. so it's important that we see that and isn't it amazing that the, the it, it, at the at the end times the 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 evil will call the call the good evil everything goes backwards you know and, and just have a look, whenever you go somewhere, like, you know, people say, oh, that's wicked, meaning that's good. Wearing caps back to front. Where has the peak ever been at the front, you know, the cap? Like, it's there to protect them from the sun and from the rain. That's what the peak was done. But everything you look at is backwards. And so we know we're in the end times. Because look at look at the, the, the that, that, that Franklin, Franklin, um, Franklin. The preacher. Graham, Franklin Graham. Well done, young lad. Franklin Graham came over to preach this truth. And you know, and, and, and the wicked the wicked lady, that, that evil lady who is the bishop of Newcastle, said he's preaching hate. You know, and, and, and yet he's preaching the gospel. The gospel truth. What she preaches is a lie. And there it is. So she is the evil one who won't preach the truth of God is now telling the one who wants to preach the truth of God, he's the evil one. Isn't it lawful for God to do what he wishes with his own things? We've got to make sure that we work to ensure that we're doing the things that God wants us to do. That when we're called evil for, 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 for saying that homosexuality is wrong, it's only by the people who don't know God. That's what it's by. It's by those people who don't know God. They don't know the scripture. They haven't. You know, most of them will definitely not have the Holy Spirit. And if they do, they're going against God anyhow. And that God's judgment on them, not ours. So it doesn't matter when we come, does it? It doesn't matter when we come in life. You know, we are blessed now to know that we're born again into this kingdom. We're born to work. 2 Thessalonians 3. Turn in your Bibles to 2 
Thessalonians 3. And verse 7. You know, it's amazing that, you know, that there's a scripture that tells us that, you know, we can live by the gospel. But we also know there's some people in this world that um, take money off people on the gospel's belief, but it's for themselves. But listen to what, what Paul was like. What a great example Paul was to all of us. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but work with labor and toil day and night, that we may not be a burden to any of you. Not because we did not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Isn't that marvelous? Paul worked. Yet he was a really clever man. He could have done. He could have asked for what he wanted, and I knew people would have given. But he, he he wanted to set an example. I'm going to work. I'm not going to live from the gospel. I know that we can, but I'm not going to live by the gospel. I'm going to set you an example. Followers. But what about the people who don't work? What about the people who don't work? Well, listen to this verse ten. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And that's not for the people who cannot work. It's for the ones who can work. So it's quite fascinating, isn't it? That, you know, that that work was, that, that work is all the way through. It's all about doing in the kingdom of God. It, it's, it's, you know, it's praying, it's teaching, it's preaching, it's witnessing, it's being an example. It's, it's, it's letting God use all of us, the body, the mind, the mouth, the energy, the actions, everything about using everything. It's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, we, we talked about giving our life to the Lord, you know, and, and God died for us, you know, and, and the Bible preaches that, you know, there's no greater gift that man can do than give his life for his friend. And who would give their life for a friend? Not many of us. But Jesus gave his life for us so that we can have these friends. And, and we can give our life. It's like it's like when we when we when we repent and we say you know we give our life to you Lord you know our life is hidden in you you know and all and all of that you know it is he bought our life with a price the price was his death and so we should be working for him we should we should not only look at him as our Lord and our and our, and our friend and our God and our Creator and our Redeemer but he's also our Master. And we, and we should be those, those wonderful bond servants that want to say, God, you know, I don't really want to get paid, God. I, wanna, I just want to please you. And we know when we please God, he pleases us abundantly more. So it's amazing. So work, it's brilliant, isn't it? Right from the beginning, you know, so let's just, we can't get away from it. Work, we've got to work. Man's curse. Go to Genesis 3, verse 17. Man's curse from the Garden of Eden. It was, it's just, it's not even doing a little bit. It, it, it's quite fascinating when you read it. Man's curse from the Garden of Eden was that we had to toil, toil the land by the sweat of our brow. Work, 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 work. It, it's amazing, isn't it? Genesis 3, verse 17. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife 
and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. The sweat of your face, toil. It's, you know, it's not just a, a little few forkfuls. It's the sweat and toil. It's the diligence that God speaks so much about till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. It's amazing. But you, we should know by now. And us, and us older ones, you know, know for full well, nothing comes without effort. Nothing comes without doing something to do, get something done. It's cause and effect. If we work, we get things done. If we don't work, you get nothing done. It's so simple. I've just had a, I've just had a time in my garden. I don't know how many days I've been doing it for. It seems forever but I know it's not. Um, and it was, it was, after I walked around the garden, we knew that the weather was changing. It, to me, it was a wreck after the winter. And so I started to work. So I started, I said, right, let's go and get some weeds out, and, you know, all the rest of the things. And God, I found so many things wrong. So I started, I started to dig, which, you know, I have to be really careful. So, you know, I have to dig from my shoulders, not from my back. So, you know, everything was, was, was from there, which is okay. Good, keep fit. I'm not complaining. It was it. So, and I knew though, if I didn't go and weed it properly, it would just come back. And also we have some plants, my darling wife bought, and they're very invasive. So what they do, they just creep under the soil and grow around the rose bushes and all the other lovely things that we bought. And I thought, right, we've got to see if we can take all these out so not to kill the more expensive things that we bought. So I have to dig and dig and dig. And I am not joking you, there must have been six foot where I had to dig down 18 inches to get the roots out of one of these invasive plants. I thought, I thought I was digging for England. It was just, you know, but it, it was wrapped around all the roots, the roses and all these other things. And that's how I found it. And so it was effort. And I had to dig around, the, the right around the good plants and just very tease all these roots out so it wouldn't grow again. Because that's what it does. It's sort of like, say, right, that's it. I'll get around this one and he won't get me out. But I did. And some of the weeds just broke off and left the root in. So I had to dig them out as well. And then I went round the garden, seeing so many things that needed cutting back and things that were in the wrong place. And, and my, my darling said, could you move that one from there to there? And would you move that? And she said, helpful. And so we could get it in order again, which, which I love. And then I went on the lawn. And when you get on your hands and knees, don't you see the state of things? The garden was full of moss and weeds which were just that horrible one that sneaks across it and you have to dig it out not just you can't so you know the, the lawn's going to be a, a bit of a mess for a few weeks while we wait for that to, to get right but you know all that time while I was doing the gardening God was showing me the human race our human races you look at it and the, and the smelling of roses and the greenies like, you know, and all that. It looks all fine, looks all fine. But 
underneath it's just like my garden it's all a mess they all we all dress up neat and tidy and you know put our makeup on and and you know I, I remember Wendy saying everyone looks you know they, they all look like that everything's okay but behind that mask people's lives are a mess and the world is always trying to portray what they are look at me look what I've got look what I've achieved look what I've done look at me I'm all right haven't I done well look at this look at that where I live you name it and yet those are the people who say I don't need God they would say they would say I don't need to know I don't need to know I don't need to hear about this I'm okay are they Yet the Lord turns around and says, only a fool says there's no God. Listen, Psalm 53. 53, starting at verse 1. And it's so important that we we, we begin to, to look at, you know, that parable of the sower and, and all these scriptures that God is trying to tell us that, you know, that it's so important because we're seeing the world now for what it is the world puts a picture that it wants to be but behind that there's a mess an absolute mess Psalm 53 the fool has said in his heart there is no God they are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity you hear that when people say there's no God when you're speaking to them it's an abominable iniquity that's how far they are away. That's how much they're captured of the devil. There is none who does good. And we can see why they, you know, they think they do. And God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Everyone that has turned aside, they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Listen to this verse 4. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon God? And they are in great fear where no fear was. Wow, isn't that like today? Isn't that like today? Or, you know, the world, all, all these people that were just living their life and just going around doing their work and doing their bit and, and having hobbies and watching the TV and, and drinking and eating and, 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 you know, doing all what they want to do. All the LGBT communities, the transgenders, the, the, the humanists, the Satanists, the, all, all, everything you can think of. We're all going around doing whatever they want. And Christians. And now. There is fear where there was no fear. And yet many have ignored the government's request on social distancing, not meeting together. How selfish is that? How unchristian? When the Bible says, love thy neighbor, the Bible says, do good. And what do they do? They just flout the requests and just go out and have social, social, social intercourse closely with people. I sent an article a few weeks ago, and it was the head of a huge organization worldwide, it's the United Pentecostal Church. And he said, as Christians, we should lead the way in following the rule of the governments. 
as an example to people, just like Paul was trying to set an example for us, how we should be working. We should be setting an example by, by following what, what our government has asked us to do and tell others as well. It's right. And listen, he told us to listen and not to have the death of another person or persons accounting accounted for us for our disobedience oh and i've also heard some christians and i'm sorry foolishly saying god will protect me 